Castie and Saya has been abandoned once again, it seems, as Laris is late for their rendezvous on Rishi. Drowning his sorrows at the local cantina, he has one more brush with destiny. It has been eight days, Castian. Eight long, stressful, adventure-filled, revelation-filled days since Laris left you here in the Rishi system, since you went to Blood Peak Cove and sat down across the table from your old rival, Jalar Kita, at the Paradise Plunder. When you left Laris, you asked her to come back in seven days. You have been back in the Rishi system for two days, making Laris officially one day overdue. Castian, what have you done with your two days back in Rishi? Simply put, is Castian's dealing with stuff right now. A lot of emotional me time. He's focused a lot on himself, which requires a certain amount of solitude, which is why he has spent the dwindling amount of credits that he does have on first getting Bone, something known as a droid hotel, which is basically just, it's kind of like a lot of storage units, very small, but you could store your droids in there since not a lot of cantinas serve their kind there. So Castian has allowed Bone to stay in his little unit and charge up and make any minor repairs to himself that he might need to make. Since he's alone, he has spent the last two days focusing on the dwindling amount of credits that are slowly being drained from him as he drains yet another Corellian whiskey down his throat. And then I said, and this is very important, and then I said, I don't need you. I've been on my own and no one has ever come back for me. And, 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 do, and do you know what she said to me? Well... She wasn't that vulgar, but she said to me, my Wookiee friend, she said no one lovers loved me. And you know what, it hurts because it's true. That's when I decided that this is, the mo this is the move that I need to make. And Castian slaps a hand down on the controls of the Jarek table, leading the piece into what most likely is a winning move against the very large and angry Wookiee uh, seated across from him. Don't complain. I, I was a fair move, and I, I don't believe in letting the Wookiees win, because I don't see species. The Wookiee slams a hand on the table. Don't be so annoyed. These are my credits, fair and square, and, and you know what? I'll even do you one solid. I will not require you to give me that bandolier you're wearing, even though I had fancied it from the very beginning. And Castian is going to collect the few credits that he was able to get out of this Wookiee. It's less than 10, which makes it even more ridiculous. The Wookiee is angry, which probably also shows that the Wookiee is drunk, and Castian scooping them up and standing up and draining the remainder of his drink. Castian, will you please give me a coordination check? You have one setback die due to the amount of alcohol you've obviously been drinking, and your difficulty is hard. Castian's coordination is not great, but I got two successes and a threat. So as you are standing up with your winnings, Castian, 
the Wookiee lumbers at you. It's obviously going for your arms. And you know what happens when an angry Wookiee grabs somebody by the arms. Those arms don't stay attached for very long. (laughs) But as you noted, this Wookiee must be a little drunk too. As the Wookiee stumbles past you, upending the Dejaric table and stumbles forward into the bar where he crashes down on several half-full drinks that other revelers were drinking from, inciting the other pirates to stand up and are looking at both the Wookiee and at the person that made the Wookiee fall. Castian is kind of just standing there for a moment before he reaches out and raises his empty glass of Corellian whiskey and says, If I can do that to a Wookiee, imagine what I can do to the likes of you. I feel like we now swipe to the next scene, which is Castian being bodily tossed out of the cantina. His pockets empty of the 10 credits he just won. I let you win. I took on an entire, entire encampment of... They know about me at the Shackle Monkey. And Castian mumbles as he tries to stand up, but then slips and like face plants right into a bunch of mud. There's like this lizard that kind of crawls up towards him and flickers its tongue out at Castian to lick the... He's hoping it's mud off his face before Castian flicks it away with the back of his hand. And then he stands up, wipes off his face, and then shouts, I don't want to drink here anymore anyways. And he grabs his cloak and throws it over his head and then just starts stomping away. He's about halfway back towards the landing pad when he realizes he doesn't have a, a ship to go back to, nor really a hotel room. And he really doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. They took the 10 that he just won. So Castian is going to kind of just take a moment to lean against a wall and press his face against the cool stone to try to get his bearings. Yes, let's remember that Blood Peak Cove is about two-thirds of the way up a mountain range. So this entire encampment is all set along a very steep mountain ridge. So the cool wall that you're pressing your face against is, in fact, the side of the mountain. Now, the pirates, the smugglers, the rogues that make up the transient population of Blood Peak Cove are not strangers to people having lost their last credits in the cantina and crying alone to themselves along the wall. They continue bustling about their day. It's a sunny afternoon. There are goods to be bought and sold, both legal and otherwise. There is carousing to be done, deals to be made, money to be won and lost. So there are people jostling against you. You think more than one person is actually trying to pickpocket you, but of course there's nothing there to pickpocket. Next time someone tries to bump into him, he's going to push him away. A guy kind of stumbles back very close to the edge, but he catches his balance and moves on, and Castian gives him a snarl before he moves his gaze away. And Castian just kind of looks around for any signs of trouble. His focus lands on top of a little boy, dirty as can be. It looks like he just climbed out of an exhaust port. And he's running excitedly towards a a woman who is selling, honestly, it looks like bread. While these are pirates, they, they still like their carbs. 
So the boy runs up to her and followed behind the boy is a grizzled man who just has a scrowl on his face. For a second, Castian's lips peel back as that man reminds him of somebody he doesn't like. And his attitude reminds him of something he doesn't like. And as Castian takes a step forward, almost excited at the opportunity of kicking the hell out of this man for, you know, probably causing trouble with this woman, the man suddenly, his angered expression melts when he thinks he has a private moment. And the woman runs up to him and hugs him. And the guy picks up the kid and squeezes him close. And Castian realizes this is a family. The man might be a pirate, but the man clearly is with his son and his wife. And they all look like they're enjoying their time. And this kind of annoys Castian. Castian is just caught staring. Until the bearded pirate spots Castian and that angered look returns to his face. And Castian just kind of looks away, a little embarrassed. Lucky for you, once you look away, the pirate doesn't seem interested in confronting you, but you still may not want to keep hanging out here lest he get the wrong idea about you. Casting is scoffing and stomping off, looking for another canteen at a haunt. And there are no shortage of options for you here in Blood Peak Cove. As you are stumbling around looking for your next watering hole, please give me a perception check. Average difficulty, one setback die. Because you're still drunk. One success, one threat. Somebody is following you. I try to look over my shoulder occasionally, as subtle as I can, to see if I can spot who it is. With that threat, this is a crowd filled with people who don't want to be recognized. You're not the only cloaked figure here. So there are a couple of possibilities behind you, but you can't get a good look at anybody's face. Uh, Castian's going to pause. Is there an alleyway or any crevice that he can get into where, you know, they throw trash or whatever? Oh, yes. It smells disgusting. Yeah, Castian's going to pause for a second. Then he's going to look like he's, like, you know, grabbing his belt and deciding to, oh, this looks like a good place to urinate. And then he's going to stumble into this crevice slash alley slash junk depository. As soon as he stumbles in, he's going to press his body against the wall and wait to see if someone approaches the crevice. And within just a couple of heartbeats, somebody does. A casting is not going to even hesitate. He's going to reach and try to grab the person by the scruff of the neck or the shirt and pull them into the alleyway and then slam them into the wall. And you are able to. My pockets are as empty as your skull if you think this is a smart idea. As you slam the figure against the wall, their hood is pushed back just enough that you catch a glimpse of small horns peeking out of the top of their head pale skin with dark brown markings. The familiar markings of a Zabrak, a very particular Zabrak Jedi. Oh no. What are you doing here, Keita? Castian spits as he lets him go and backs away to give them room. Following you. Really? I didn't deduce that. And very poorly, I'm drunk and I still knew someone was following me. I wasn't trying to be stealthy about it. I've been following you for a day, and yet you still only just noticed? I, I knew you were following me since the moment you decided to follow me. I when knew- was that? Two days ago, as you said. You've been following me for two days, so I knew that you were- Why are you here? Tying up loose ends. Castian does not like the sound of that, so his hand immediately drops to the lightsaber that he's been hiding in his cloak. Not activating, and he's like, is that so? Kita- Rolls his eyes at you. Stop being so dramatic. You're the one who used tying up loose ends. No offense, but 
I've heard that several times as a bounty hunter, and it never ends with them paying me double. It always ends with them pulling out a blaster and trying to kill me. If I was trying to kill you, and I've been following you for two days... Yes, but you clearly knew that I was onto you, which is why you never struck, but... Okay, okay, you're tying up loose ends. What does that have to do with me? Why don't you have Neon? Is Neona here too? You, she is the last person I want to see right now. Including you. You're more of a pair at this point. Not anymore. What does that mean? I sent her on. Sent her on? Where is she going? When is she coming back? If she knows what's good for her, she isn't. Castian hesitates for a second before finally dropping his hand from where his blade was hiding. She told me that you were, um, dying. How's that going for you? Not well. Well, if it's any concern, I'm sorry to hear that you are dying. No, you're not. I'm not exactly a monster that you paint me as. I do feel bad you are dying. We've made some sort of amends. And... One less Jedi means more Inquisitors are after me, so I wish there are plenty of Jedi that would catch their focus. And you, you would catch quite the prize. I mean, you are a knight. Were a knight. Are you a master now? Could you just, did you decide you were a master or did... Let's find some place a little less <clears throat> fragrant to talk. I have no interest in talking to you or Niana. I'm assuming that she informed you of our little adventure. Is that correct? She did. Yeah. So if it's if you know it's good for you, it might be best if you just leave me be. I don't know what this is, but let's just say you're lucky you have had an apprentice who returned. Castian hesitates for a second before just kind of leaning back against like a dumpster and just sighs. I wanted to kill Hakita. I'm not a good person. But I am a smart person, and I understand when there is a losing battle. This whole thing about me trying to be a better person, it's not going to work. I'm just broken. And before I decide to just gut you and gut her or gut this entire galaxy, it's just best if I'm just left alone. And so there is nothing I want to talk about and nothing that you can offer me to make me want to sit and talk with you further. What if I get you a drink? And then we do another one of those clock swipes, and they're sitting somewhere. Where does he take Castian? Because Castian doesn't really know this place that well. Kita takes you to Luna's. Luna's is definitely one of the rougher cantinas around. It is not focused so much on drinking, though, of course, alcohol and a variety of other substances are available there. No, the primary attraction of Luna's, aside from the proprietress herself, are the myriad methods of gambling present at Luna's. The Paradise Plunder had a Dejaric table. Luna's has a much better Dejaric table. Luna's has an entire room devoted to sabak tables and room for spectators to watch them. There are animal fights happening off in one corner, but the centerpiece of Luna's is the giant cage in the center of the cantina where brawlers fight for the entertainment and profit of others. Castian, as you and Kida sit down, 
currently in the cage match are a tattooed and pierced Gamorian facing off with a Devorian with filed down horns. When Kida brings you in Castian, he goes to the bar and orders two drinks for you before taking you off to a small table near where the animals are fighting. It's not really a private table, it's not even a booth. However, the sounds of the spectators along with the cries of the animals make it so you're very unlikely to be overheard. Kida does keep his hood up, however. Cassian does not. At this point, Kida can definitely tell that he doesn't care about getting caught. Or at least he thinks that. He takes hold of the drink that Kida sets down in front of him. It's a brandy. You're not sure what the providence of it is. Cassian snorts before, you know, alcohol is alcohol at this point. So he takes a, a big gulp of it and then leans back in his seat. So you're here to tie up loose ends. I thought we did this on Dathomir when I forgave you. I wasn't dying then, and you hadn't nearly killed my Padawan. Okay, in my defense, I didn't kill her. I wanted to. She left me, Kida. Everybody leaves me. Everybody leaves me, and I know that sounds overdramatic, and you hate dramatic, but who hasn't left me? My mother left me. The Jedi left me. That includes you. Everyone leaves me. I'm tired of always being left, and now it looks like Laris has left me. She's one day late, and that is not something Laris does. I mean, she was 30 minutes late one time, and she completely cut my rent in half for the month. She's a professional. This is unprofessional. So she's she has decided to cut her losses and just fly off and become a legitimate businesswoman. Which is smart. Which is smart. Kida takes a slow swig from his brandy. Yeah, I left you. I left you and I stopped looking for you. Castian hesitates and then just kind of matches gazes with the man. Why? I mean, I understood why you sold me. I get that. We discussed that on Dathomir. It was the only way for me to survive. And, and I understand it was hard to find me. Harder to find me than someone as unique as Niana. But why just give up on me? Because at a certain point, I had to make a decision. Stop looking back. Start looking forward. To the future. To the possibility of rebuilding what we had lost. What you lost. What I had lost. And so I focused on the only connection to the Jedi I had left. Nienna. And I trained her, and I trained her well, Castian. I taught her that the future of the Jedi lived in her. And that if she were to stay with me, if she wanted to complete her training to become a Jedi herself, that meant that her survival was paramount. It meant that if there was ever a choice between her survival and someone else's, including mine, she needed to seize the opportunity and save herself to save the last living repository of Jedi knowledge, small as it might be. That is what happened on Kamino. 
she fell back on instinct. I think you can appreciate that. Even if, understandably, you don't appreciate the outcome. Kida, I... I get it. The only person who's ever sacrificed themselves for me is dead. Madonin. And that's why I think I, I actually thought I could become better. Not a Jedi god. You know, that's an impossible task for me. But I, I, I've been looking for other things to pull me away from the darkness. But I... Oh, I, I do so well, Kida. I do so well for a while. And then the moment I get scared of being left behind, there is a voice in my head that just tells me what to do. And I, and I grab it and I use it and then someone's dead or dying or hurt and I could feel that taste of the dark side. A voice? Sometimes, or a thought. Kita looks very concerned at this mention of a voice. I can only assume that it's the dark side telling me I need to come back. It's familiar in a way. As if it's the only friend that ever stood by me. Yes, Gastian. I will never leave you. It's funny, the only thing I really want sometimes is to destroy everything in front of me. And make everyone hurt as much as I do, Kida. Sometimes I just want to... <laughs> Castian laughs and takes a, a long pull from his brandy. I want to live on a farm and be a terrible farmer and raise a garden. Live with Cerise Nabella. Have a child. A girl, because my god, we can't have another Castian in, my, in the galaxy. Just never have to deal with the Force again. But I would miss you so much. But... The galaxy would miss me too much. And I know that it's stupid. This is dumb. I'm a survivor and I need to embrace that, Kida. I need to just listen to the voice, fight my way, try to live another couple years, die out in a blaze of glory, but have fun before that ends. Whatever fun is. There's something to be said for finding a nice, quiet place to live out your last days. Did you have a plan? Castian is actually looking like he's getting more comfortable as he leans back in his seat. Come on. Uh, everybody has to have a fantasy. Did you have one? I always wanted to find where they buried my brother. You have a brother? Had. What happened? It was a long time ago. Back when there was still a Jedi temple. It was a Jedi, like you. I, I'm sorry, I'm con I, I know nothing about you, Kida. You were a monster under my bed for too long. This is very... It humanizes you. Well, no offense. It, it zabrakiizes you. It was a long time ago. It's not worth thinking about. Now I'm just gonna spend my last days here. Drinking with you, apparently. And what do you hope to do with that, might I ask? From what Niana told me, you have a few weeks, maybe a month, but you hope to just cram your entire teachings into me in that short amount of time? No, I want to teach you how to play Dejaric worth a damn. And you stare at him for a moment, and then he bares his teeth in what you think must be a smile. I can play Dejaric, thank you very much. And yeah, though, though, you know what? Castian, it, well, as long as he's 
paying? <laughs> uh, Castian will play Dejaric with him, yes. Let's play some Dejaric. Okay. Is this like gambling? Oh, I guess it's Skullduggery. It is Skullduggery. Castian, your difficulty is average, but both of those are upgraded to red challenge dice. One failure and one threat. Kita's trying to teach you how to play Dejaric properly, but maybe you are just resistant to learning anything from this man. Maybe you are more drunk than you think you are. The lessons never seem to be taking. Or maybe he's cheating. Listen, I'm not using your your Alderanian trial runs. They're ridiculous. You need to be more aggressive, and this is why I'm going to win. And he Castian sends his last remaining forces a couple of squares forward. And then they absolutely get slaughtered. And he's like, no, that was a Gamorrean chat run. That works very effective against drunk Wookiees. I'm not a drunk Wookiee. Well, you smell like one. So Castian loses, and he loses the next game, and the next. But you know what? I'm going to say after a while, they're laughing a little bit as they're just like sharing wartime stories as much as they can. Him talking about some of the Clone War, and Castian uh, talking about uh, some of his times as a bounty hunter. And then, and then this is the interesting part, Kita. They were twin Twi'leks. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. And and, and so one's, you know, the, her guts are hanging out, and it's a windstorm, and I have them dead to rights. I have them dead to rights. And then I just, I know who they are. I recognize them. I mean, I hadn't actually worked with them before, but we actually went after the same bounty once, and and... And I knew they were slaves. They were slaves that actually killed their owners, and I, just, I couldn't kill them. I, I actually wasted some medical supplies on them, left them go. And I'll, t- I'll be honest, I think the taller sister had a thing for me. You're delusional. No, listen, no, li- li- listen. And as you try to justify your interpretation to Kida, suddenly a siren sounds. Like an air raid siren. And the cage fighters in the center of the ring pause mid-swing. One of them still has blood dripping out of his nose, but they both just freeze. And then they run for the exits. All of the patrons of Luna's, in fact, begin to run for the exits. Luna herself, who is a pale, blue-skinned Twi'lek woman, one of her leku has been severed at some point. She looks panicked for the first time that you've seen her during your couple of days here in Blood Peak Cove, and she opens up a hatch in the floor behind the bar and disappears. Within seconds, Luna's is deserted, leaving just you and Kida at your Dejaric table. Castian climbs to his feet, frowns, and then he goes to take another sip from his brandy, but he finds that it's empty. So he starts making his way towards the exit where everybody ran off, but he's stopping at tables and occasionally collecting any chips that were left behind, any credit chips. More importantly, he's taking hold of any drink and just kind of dropping it into his own cup. So he's like making a mixed drink as he's moving towards the exit at a very slow pace. Seeming concerned, but not too concerned. What are you doing? Well, you want I'm I'm curious, aren't you curious to see what made a whole bunch of smugglers and pirates run off with their credit chips on the ground? 
Kida reaches into his cloak and pulls out two sections of a pole. They're completely unassuming at first glance, until he pushes them together and twists them to interlock them, and you recognize it is his lightsaber staff. Casting holds up a hand as he gets to the edge of the door. He's like, I think you're worrying about nothing. Then why isn't anybody outside? Castian walks outside. The crowded street of Blood Peak Cove is empty. Oh, that seems rather ominous. The sirens are still sounding. And as you look around, trying to figure out where exactly the sound is coming from, because you don't actually see any obvious speakers to be broadcasting the sound, you look up, and in the blink of an eye is a Star Destroyer jumping out of hyperspace. Oh no, that's bad. And in the time it takes you to say that, Castian, three more pop into existence. Kida? I see them. We have to go. You hear the sound of engines, not from above, but from that landing pad that you had originally been walking toward, as apparently some of the pirates have decided that they want to get the hell out of Dodge. And as they take to the skies, you see, like, ants are so small at first, but quickly become much larger, and you recognize the familiar silhouette of TIE fighters launching from the Star Destroyers. And as soon as they see those various marauders and small ships taking off, no sooner do those ships try to enter the upper atmosphere than the TIE fighters begin shooting them down. All right. Well, new plan. Not the sky. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.